Welcome to the Friday, August 2nd, 2019 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, debate and the state of the race. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Brett Hayworth of the Sioux City Journal. Good morning, Brett. Good morning. Ed Tibbetts of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Ed. Morning, James. And Thomas Nelson of the Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, James. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. First up, another doubleheader on the debate stage as 2020-2020 hopefuls fought for attention. Seems like there were some lessons learned from the first debates. Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders was much sharper. Former Maryland Re- Representative John Delaney spoke up and out, and in doing so saw a 20-fold increase in his donor rate during the 24-period surrounding the debate. Joe Biden once again was a punching bag for California Senator Kamala Harris and others, and Andrew Yang still hasn't found a tie. And there was criticism of CNN's format, but when isn't there criticism of a debate format? A uh, fast-moving presentation that seemed designed to highlight the differences between the candidates. My only criticism was that three hours each night was a big commitment to watch people who will not be on the debate stage in September and will have forgotten about by caucus night. So, Ed, uh, what's your, your takeaway from round two? Uh, yeah, well, first I'd just say, yeah, three hours uh, on each night was a bit much, and uh, and I don't think it matters that Andrew Yang can't find find a tie. Uh, but, uh, you know, basically, yeah, Biden's still the guy to beat, um, and he's still standing, if a, um, a little bit wobbly. Um, I, I do think that he did better than in the uh, the first round of debates, but um, yeah, still still a bit wobbly. Um, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Stan- Sanders, still not a lot of daylight between them. Um, Kamala Harris has become a target, and I think that means that um, as she tried to spin it afterwards, that it means she's moving up. But it also means that you know she still has to answer for her record as a prosecutor. Um, Overall, uh, either both nights, um, I don't think there were any knockout punches thrown. Uh, I know some folks in the media made uh, a bit of a deal out of Biden asking Harris to, uh, what did he say, go easy on me, kid. Uh, but frankly, I think Iowans wouldn't be offended by that. They might see it as endearing, even if it does remind them of uh, the age factor, right? Yeah. Thomas, uh, any sense whether this round of debates helped winnow the field or will that be more a function of the debate eligibility rules uh, for the September debate? At least uh, the candidates have to have at least 2% in four national polls and at least 130,000 unique donors coming from at least 400 unique or at least 20 states. Uh, so far, I think there are eight candidates, Biden, Booker, Buttigieg, uh Harris, O'Rourke, Sanders, and Warren, and I just saw this morning that Klobuchar said she's qualified. Um, so will they fit on one stage in, in September, or are we still going to have the, the two-ring circus? Uh, I have a feeling we're going to have uh, – that those new threshold that – new, that new threshold is not going to make it very, uh, very easy for the rest – for any of the other old – uh, any of the other 20, uh, 16 candidates to make it at this point. And um, uh, and with that said, I think, you know, you might be able to get someone like Andrew Yang or um, maybe uh, someone that's been able to get a bit of a debate from, like, maybe John Delaney. But I don't think uh, there's going to be a lot more, you know, come the fall. We're going to start to see less and less, uh, at least on cable television, of the other 
uh, 16, uh, 16 to 14 candidates. And that's not to say we're, we already haven't seen much of candidates such like, uh, like Mike Gravel and Seth Moulton. Um, I think, and for that, and they haven't dropped out yet. We've only had one candidate drop out, Eric Swalwell, and he made the first debate. He was a candidate that was at the first debate, and then he dropped out in you know prior to the second debate. So I don't know whether or not uh, not qualifying for these debates is necessarily going to push anyone out. I think what's going to end up making it so that they're they're going to end their campaign is a lack of funds. I mean, there's a there's a large there's a large field right now of those candidates that we haven't really seen a lot of that are down to less than a million dollars cash on hand. That's uh, Moulton being one of them. And um, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they're able to even continue at all. You know, there's a, a finite amount of money. There's a finite amount of dollar bills that are available for these candidates. And I don't know whether or not they're going to be able to, you know, all of them are going to be able to bring in enough funds to continue to have a campaign and to visit these early states like Iowa uh, prior to uh, the, these uh, next couple of debates. Seth Moulton didn't make uh, the first debate or the second debate, uh, and when you mentioned his name, it was like, oh, yeah, he's he's still uh, out there. Uh, I mean, it, it seems like it's going to be pretty tough to, to get any attention if you're not on the debate stage. Oh, yeah. Well, and, I mean, take Mike Gravel. Does anyone remember that he's running? Because uh, I forgot. He, I He's a what was he former uh, former senator uh, who was who was a senator and left the Senate in 1981 from what I understand and has not actually been uh, he's only, he hasn't gone to the early states he's just done interviews on cable television but he's still in there he hasn't made a single debate nor most likely will he but uh, he's still running. But we're talking about him. <laughs> Brett, uh, <laughs> you, your, your duties kept you away from watching the debates. Uh, lucky you. But we've seen plenty. Of, you've seen plenty of these candidates uh, as they've made their way through western Iowa. Uh, are, are you getting any sense of whether uh, Sue Landers are making up their minds or are they still telling you eh, it's early? Yeah, yeah, the the. It's definitely that they're still making up their minds, um, you know, and, and, and part of that is, is is what Thomas was saying, you know, there's a large number of candidates to sift through, um, you know, there's a lot of people to consider more than 20 and, and, you know, Democrats, I, I suppose they're essentially, when I'm talking to people, they're essentially picking from the top seven or eight, the top tier, but they also still want to see basically all of them as, as they come through. And when I cover these campaign stops, um, I always make it a point to talk to people afterwards to grab a few people on the way out. And, you know, my, essentially what I'm saying is, you know, what'd you think of X candidate that, that you just heard, you know, Sanders, Klobuchar, whoever it is, and then have you made a choice? And, and so often what I'm hearing is they're still they're you know, they might have three or four finalists, but they're definitely still sifting through, um, you know, and, and that's as we're, you know, we're heading into August and we're a half year from the caucus. So people are still making up their minds and, um, I did speak uh, this morning earlier to Woodbury County Democratic Chairman uh, Jeremy Dumkrieger, um, and and he said absolutely. He confirmed that people are still making up, up their minds, and um, you know it's it's very you know relatively early is, is what he said. And, and um, you you mentioned my um, my my duties that kept me from 
from watching the debate the other night, I, I was at the Woodbury County Fair. And every four years uh, before the, when there's a caucus on the way, the Republican Party or the Democratic Party, which whoever has an open seat, um, they have options for people to, to vote on candidates. You know, in these, you know, you know it's, it's obviously not a scientific poll, but they have ways for people to, to cast ballots or whatever. And what the Democrats have this year, I went by this um, the other night, um, they have what they're calling the Corn Caucus. So they have um, some jars um, within each, all the candidates' names, uh, a jar for each candidate, and you put a uh, kernel of corn for who you like in, in each, each of the jars. And they have a, a jar that is an X, and it's I think it says any anyone but Trump. I think is what it was. And there's a bunch going in there. So I, I think uh, through corn, corn uh, kernels of corn, we have proof that that it's a wide field, and you know um, people are making up their minds. Mm-hmm. Okay. And of course, uh, after the debate, we're trying to assess, uh, uh, you know. Who, who won, who lost, and uh, um, I guess regardless of, of how they did in their b- debates, the polls show that Joe Biden continues l- to lead the field, uh, at least all the polls I've seen except the Firehouse poll that shows Warren leading Biden in Iowa 23.4% to 22.9%. Now that is within the 3.3% margin of error, but I suppose it's a moral victory for Elizabeth Warren to move ahead of uh, Biden at all. Uh, and while it's good news for Warren and bad news for Biden, Ed, is it even worse news for Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, who's polling at 11 percent in Iowa, where he nearly won the caucuses four years ago? Well, if the poll is accurate, then sure, it's bad news. Um, Warren and Sanders are, are vying to be progressive champions. And, uh, you know, um, and, and so um, that he would be that far um, behind her at this stage of the game uh, would be worrying uh, if, again, the poll is accurate. I'm not sure I buy into the idea that Warren is that much ahead of Sanders. Um, look, this this poll is um, um, is uh, run by a pretty respected um, strategy firm, uh, but uh, uh, but you know Iowa is notoriously hard to poll, mm-hmm. and and I think that um, you know I, I think that this far out um, you know as uh, as Brett said. Uh, the vast majority haven't made up their minds yet, uh, and so um, I, I would I would take polls at this stage of the game in Iowa um, with uh, with a note of caution. Uh, but again, if this is accurate, uh, then yes, that would that would mean some trouble. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting to note that uh, that poll found 16% not sure, and another 4% would vote for a different Democratic candidate. So you have you know roughly 20% there, a fifth of uh, Iowa voters uh, supposedly still, I guess, would say, Brett, uh, that it's still up for grabs. Right, right, yeah. And, and I guess I'd refer back to what I said earlier that people are still making up up their minds, and you know, we know there's a there, you know there's a lot of weeks ahead, and and I I just think that, you know there'll be a lot of unexpected news cycles with these Democrats that where they could potentially go up and down. You know, we can't. At this point, you know, imagine it, you know, like, like you, someone said earlier, like Kamala Harris might have to, you know, speaking for her career as a prosecutor, like, you know, and, and as attorney general, that, that might, you know, that could, could rise or fall as, as an issue where people were, you know, maybe not like her or would like her more. So, you know, th- those are things that we don't know. And, you know, somebody's going to be in, 
you know, wherever Iowa and, and they might say something on, on the stump that might trip them up and, you know, and, and, you know, someone might catch fire. They can do like a, I don't know, I guess you call it a slow rise like Rick Santorum did. I think it was in 2011 for the 2012 mm-hmm. cycle. Um, yeah. I remember talking to him in August. I mean, basically I think it was this week, the first week of August in that time. And, you know, he was nothing in the polls and he did like the slow steady rise by talking to people, you know, person to person. So, there's all that that's going to play out over these next few weeks. And, you know, I suspect you know, we're going to keep focusing on the top tier and, and the people that you mentioned in the polls, you know, they're, they're the odds on, but, you know, as we say so many times, there's, there's so much ahead that lies ahead here. Speaking of Kamala Harris, uh, one of my regular uh, correspondents uh, sent me something today that sort of attempts to link her to the JFK assassination even though I'm not sure Kamala oh. Harris was alive at that time, <laughs> so watch for that She's story. Like 53, so she, I think I think she was born like I think she was born like the year after that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's it's interesting. The firehouse poll. One take on it I saw was that it it, it where they did the state by state uh, Iowa, South Carolina, and New Hampshire. They they said the the meaning of this is that Biden and Warren come out of Iowa on top of the field. Sanders, who is polling fourth in New Hampshire, uh, will get eliminated there, and South Carolina will eliminate Harris, uh, who is running third, fourth, if you include not sure, um, and that will leave Biden and Warren uh, to duke it out on Super Tuesday when California, Texas, and 14 other states hold primary elections. So uh, Keep that in mind. On, on Might as well just fast forward to there. Yeah, yeah exactly. Skip the, <laughs> skip the next uh, six months. Uh, Thomas, uh, you had a story about uh, Representative Ras Smith, the Waterloo Democrat, uh, who was the guest of Texan Beto O'Rourke at the Detroit debate. Uh, earlier this summer, He was dubbed uh, Smith was dubbed a rising star by the Iowa Democratic Party. Uh, how, did, how did he end up on O'Rourke's guest list, and uh, what was his uh, impression of the debate? Well, uh, Rod Smith has uh, been, you know, really getting very involved in the Iowa legislature. He's a, you know, as a Democrat, he's, uh, you know, the leading Democrat on the education committee, from what I understand. And as well, um, he's he's uh, tackled a lot of uh, specific issues in regards to education here in Iowa, which I think kind of, you know, on that and being from Waterloo, where, uh, you know, Beto O'Rourke has had a couple, you know, made a came here shortly after his debut has kind of made put him in the sights of uh, the O'Rourke campaign. And further, I mean, uh, you know, O'Rourke was able to, you know, has, uh, I think, kind of come uh, come around to the Cedar Valley more than more than uh, once or twice late, uh, since uh, this whole caucus season began. But uh, uh, Rod Smith is, you know, you know, he only recently got elected, you know, not too long ago. And he's in his second term as a uh, representative in the Iowa legislature and he's been he's been making you know he's been making waves since he got in uh, and uh, kind of getting noticed uh, also but I think it's also worth saying that uh, better that uh, that uh, Rod Smith isn't endorsing O'Rourke um, he went there as his guest uh, to watch and find out as much as he can so that way he can make an informed decision during the caucus but um, he's He's not endorsing him. He he was just happy for the opportunity to be able to go to the debate. Uh, showing his true Iowa uh, 
bona fides there. I, I like you. I'll take your uh, free trip to the debate, but I'm not endorsing <laughs> you yet. <Yeah. laughs> All right. You can read Thomas's exactly. story about Raf Smith uh, at Waterloo Courier, um, WCFCourier.com. Aaron Murphy couldn't join us today. Apparently, he deserve, believes he deserves a vacation. Uh, however, before he left, he wrote about the upcoming week. We'll be busy on the Iowa political circuit. Not only will most of the 2020 Democratic hopefuls be speaking at the Iowa State Fair soapbox during the coming week, but many of them will be in Clear Lake Friday night for the North Iowa, not this Friday night, a week from tonight, uh, for the North Iowa Wingding. And Saturday evening, a handful will be at the 1st District Democrats' Cedar Corridor Passport to Victory event in Central City. And you'll be able to find coverage of these events and Iowa politics, as well as on Iowa Politics podcast on the home pages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Journal, Muscatine Journal, Mason City Globe Gazette, Waterloo Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. And that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope it's worth your time. Thanks for listening. If you like the show, tell a friend and subscribe to us on On iTunes, or Stitcher. Fan mail may be sent to oniowapolitics at gmail.com. Pat Smith and Rich Wager will take us out. If you know a band or talented Iowa musician who should be on our show, send us a sound file. And remember to follow us on Twitter and subscribe to On Iowa Politics on iTunes and Stitcher. For Thomas, Ed, Brett, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening.